Ladies and gentlemen, the Handlebar is one of our favorite establishments here in Chica. We would not do this at the top of every show if we did not stand by what they offer, which, if you don't know, is an awesome happy hour, seven days a week from 2 to 6 p.m., where you get a dollar off any of their 28 draft beers. They've also got a fantastic patio, an extensive menu of delicious food. I highly recommend the beer, cheese, and pretzels. If you've never been, they're on the south end of town at 2070 East 20th Street, right by Best Buy, right by Winco. Again, that's the handlebar. Go check them out for an awesome happy hour, seven days a week from 2 to 6 p.m. Here's the show. Why don't we begin? This is Fresh Hop Cinema. Yeah, it is, baby. Seven years of Fresh Hop Cinema. What's up? This is a this is a radio show. It's a podcast. We talk about the worlds of craft beer and film. And by we, I mean myself, Max Minardi, and you. Johnny Summers, what's up? We're back at it. This week, our review of It Lives Inside. It's the feature-length horror debut from director Bashal Duda about a high schooler who has to find a way to defeat an ancient Indian demon that feeds on the souls of its victims after the disappearance of her childhood best friend. But... Before our thoughts on that, Johnny, tell the listeners what we are drinking this week. I dug deep into my own personal cellar and provided beers for the show, our anniversary episode this mm. week. We're drinking beers from Highland Park Brewing out of Los Angeles, California. Beer number one is called Philosophy of Love Superstition. Superstition, excuse me. It is a barrel-aged rustic saison, uh, Max's favorite style. Right. It's a 6.3 percenter. Sure. Uh, beer number two is referred to by people in the know as Tonight 3X. Mm. But for you out there in Radioland, it's called Tonight, Tonight Tonight, it is an imperial stout that is 12%, and we'll get more into what's inside that bad boy later. Awesome. If you're listening on KZFR 90.1 FM, we hope you're having a terrific Saturday afternoon. On the radio version of our show today, you'll be hearing our episode almost in its entirety, which, uh, by the way, will eventually include spoilers for It Lives Inside. If you haven't seen it yet, those spoilers won't be until about 4.30. Um, You could also just go see the movie and then listen to our show in podcast form, which includes, in addition to our beer reviews and thoughts on the film, the always unpredictable Hot and Bothered segment, which is exclusive to our podcast listeners. It's how we end the show each week by catching up with each other, discussing everything from the latest shows we've been streaming that we'd recommend to fun beers we've tried off the air. It's really anybody's guess. That's right. To find all that, you're going to go search for Fresh Hop Cinema on Spotify, SoundCloud, Stitcher, Apple Podcasts, all those major podcast platforms. We've released new episodes every Friday since 2016. Exactly. Nice. Yeah, which means it's available to all of you listening on KZFR right now. It's a lot of back episodes. Go listen. If you like the show, please take five seconds and leave us a five-star rating on Apple Podcasts. And definitely let us know that you did that. You should text us to brag or with feedback about the show. Or you just want to talk about movies and beer. Sure. Uh, at 530-433-0839. Again, the cell number for the show is 530-433-0839. To hang out with us on social media, search Fresh Hop Cinema on Instagram, Facebook, Letterboxd, or Untapped, or just head over to our website, freshhopcinema.com. Or our other website, patreon.com slash freshhopcinema, which is how you can support our show, you can give us a few bucks a month and we give you access to bonus episodes we've recorded or invites to exclusive events like our bar hang coming up in October on Monday the 9th. If you want to know more about that, uh, meaning specifically the details, where it is, uh, what time, that sort of thing, you can join Patreon. Or if you're in Patreon already, 
you should have it posted in your Patreon feeds. You should have also been invited via a Facebook invite uh, event link that I sent you. So check your Facebook notifications for that. Hope to see people there. And like we hinted at at the beginning of um, the episode today, I think this is a worthy announcement. It's seven years of us doing the show. That's right. This is episode 300 and something, 17, 17? I think. Yeah. Uh, we've been at it for a while. So as a Patreon incentive, we've been having Patreon bonus content for that whole time. And you can find all of that either on our website or on Patreon or whatever you prefer. So if you want to join, please do. It's patreon.com slash fresh hop cinema and happy anniversary, Johnny Summers. Happy anniversary, Max. It's been a fun seven years. Right. Um, okay, that's housekeeping out of the way. Let's get into, now you brought these beers from your personal cellar? Yep. Okay, tell me about, because I know that I recall the name Highland Park Brewing. Mm-hmm. We've done a beer called Jif, Gri, Jifith. Jifith. Griffith, J. Griffith. Yeah. That's the extent of my knowledge, and I know I liked that beer, but what else can you tell me about the brewery itself? Yeah, these are all beers that I got with my membership, which uh, they started opening up and doing a lot of shipping, which is fantastic if you live in California. Uh, they, uh, one of my favorite breweries, probably in the United States, mm-hmm. definitely on the West Coast. Uh, they're known for many different things. I'll read a little bit about them just from their website. Uh, Highland Park Brewery has a simple goal of making excellent beer in Los Angeles, California. Our journey in beer focuses on good people, discovery, adventure, and quite simply, fun. Our world of fresh, hoppy beers, crisp lagers, bold stouts, and adventurous mixed culture fermentation is accompanied by unique processes wacky microbes and local ingredients amongst many other things i love that okay yeah so beer number one philosophy of love hyphen superstition as we pull oh yeah right i forgot it was a saison for a minute and then there's that giant what is that a a 500 milliliter bottle by the looks of it something like that enjoy this lovely sound as he cracks that baby open probably okay so here we are what do you know about is this a series is it just superstition is that just part of the name or do you have any idea uh, Philosophy of Love is their their saison. Mm-hmm. They do different versions cool. of it. Okay. So this is the one with uh, what did I say? I'm gonna say Marion berries, black currant, and mint. It's a tremendous, tremendous assumption. Can, can you tell me more? Yeah. So again, BA rustic saison, eight percent ABV. Philosophy of Love Superstition is a barrel aged rustic saison with Marion berries, black currant, and mint. We continue our Philosophy of Love series with another beer that is filled with love and exploration. This be- this beer spent time in fourth-use bourbon barrels that started their journey holding, well, wow. bourbon. And then they traveled across the country and held an imperial stout from a wonderful brewery in Orange County. After they left California and headed over to Arizona, where they... Or where a great meadery let them age some fruited meads before at last they found their way to Los Angeles where we brewed a rustic saison into them. Okay, this is great news for me because I'm hoping this the the imparting of the barrels flavors is going to mask some of the stuff I don't love about saisons. Mm-hmm. Some of that farmhousey kind of breadiness and tanginess sometimes that you get. It looks not like a saison, I'll tell you that. It looks like something with Marion berries for sure. It's mm-hmm. a dark jammy color. Not a ton of carbonation. I, I don't know if people could hear it when you opened it, but there was almost none of that characteristic kind of pop and fizzle that you get from a, you know, well, beer in general, obviously, mm-hmm. but, but even saisons tend to be, when they're coming out of a bottle, especially with a cork, like an extra bit of oomph. And this yeah. didn't have that. This cap just kind of, you peeled it off. So it just kind of boom. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's it's a raspberry red. It's It's got all a little bit darker than that, actually, but very, very syrupy looking in the glass. Not yeah. a ton going on by way of, action or bubbles or anything like that but you could tell me this is a nice zinfandel yeah i might believe you i might as well yeah um or maybe a sangria Mm. oh yeah you've tried it yeah thoughts and wait have you ever had this 
whether the the superstition version or not, have you tried the philosophy of love? Any mm-hmm. of the other beers? Yeah, I've had the one that they did last year. I can't mm. remember the adjuncts. I want to say it was apricot. Oh, uh, and then I think I have consumed one bottle of this with friends at some point after I got it with my membership, but okay. I don't remember it specifically. So let's change that. I think it was on a bottle share night where a bunch of stuff got opened, mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. I love opening sours and saisons at shares. Yes, that way they all get drank. So yeah. yeah, not too specific on the memory with this guy. Okay, well, as you're going in for another sniff and perhaps a taste, would you tell me what your initial reaction to this version is? It hits you right in the cheekbones. It's a very abrupt, zippy sourness. Oh, it sure is. Yeah, it's it's very uh, not ripe berry. Yeah, yeah, I, yeah I'm not a... super familiar with the Marion berry, mm-hmm. but I imagine like I've had Marion berry pie. Definitely was yeah. not as tart as this. This is tart. It's very tart, but I like it in that it leans more towards the sour than the the funk. And I feel like that would be more your speed. It absolutely is. Yeah. Yes. So this one kind of fits that bill. It's it's abrupt and biting with its tartness, but yeah. then it kind of mellows out with a little bit of a jamminess, and it's very like mouth watering. Yes. Definitely not sweet. No, you're also to some extent differentiating between the saison characteristics and the tangy bite. Mm-hmm. When you ask me to do that, is a bit like asking me to. You know, would you rather stub your toe on the coffee table or hit yourself in the shin with a baseball bat? <laughs> it's like, well, I don't like not, you know, if you're saying I'm about to stub my toe, then maybe a shin bat would sound better. But neither one is a pleasurable experience for me necessarily. Yeah. Uh, I don't hate this, but I don't like it. I'll <laughs> tell you that off the bat. It's a lot. It's very tangy. Dude. What don't you like about it? Is it too sour? Is it's it... way too sour. Yeah. yeah. I've only had one sip, by the way, and immediately we, my teeth were washed over with that Warheads powder that we've discussed recently. Mm-hmm. That kind of gritty, sour acidity that is so acidic it leaves a textural difference in your mouth. <laughs> yes. Uh, you know, maybe people like it. Maybe that's some people's cup of tea. Though if that's your tea, I think you're doing tea wrong probably. Yeah. Tea should not have that. If anything, we know that tea probably. Um. But beer beer can. Beer can have that, and that's totally fine. And teach their own. But for me, not my own. Yeah, is that's what I fair. But I'm going to try a second drink. I like the mint on the nose. I get it just barely. Like, it's so subtle that if I didn't read it on the label, I might not have picked it out. You know what I mean? It's I one would, of those I still can't pick it out, yeah. It just kind of mixes in with everything. But it definitely, like, fruit juice notes on the nose. Yes. It smells like it's going to be a lot sweeter than it is. I kind of like that. I kind of like the bait and switch a little bit. I wish it were the other way around, that it's, it smelled more sour than it is. That would be a pleasant surprise. Yeah. That'd be concerning if something smelled sour. Um, Yeah, that's a good point. Well, I mean, you know, you can smell a beer and you can expect a certain sour quality. Right. But keep it to beer, probably. Yeah, this one's definitely veiled with a, I'm going to be fruit juicy and sweet yes. and taste like pie and filling. whammo. Just kidding. Yeah. You know, there is sweetness kind of sandwiched between the sour punch up front and in the back, Mm -hmm. but it's not enough to overpower the sourness, which is probably the point. Again, you know, different strokes, different folks sort of Mm -hmm. thing. Not yucking anybody's yum, but um, it's it's overpowering my (laughs) mouth at least. It's a lot. See, I like it. I I don't think I love it, but I definitely enjoy it. I like the, the fruit notes of it. Uh, black currant, I'm usually not a fan of in beer. I Me just either. don't like what it does. Uh, I don't like what it's, what it's doing. Right, it's right. It's, great. Well, so like black currant also tends to show up sometimes in stouts. I, mm-hmm. Well, I shouldn't say it tends to. It's happened a couple times. Yeah. The one that really put me off was um, 
Was it a narwhal variant from Sierra Nevada that used black currants, or is it a different? I think Sierra it might Nevada. have been a trip in the woods. Oh, it could have been. But I could swear almost that there was a narwhal that did it. But or yeah, a Bigfoot? Maybe it could have been a Bigfoot. They've That's gotten true. pretty jazzy with some of those Alpha Hop yeah. Society specialty beers. Yeah, and the trip um, in the woods, and like they're doing a trip in the woods now. That's a barrel aged red ale that's supposed to taste like a an old fashioned. It almost does feel as though they try to come up with formulas and recipes that people would think, "Ew, yeah. I don't want that." Mm-hmm. And then their goal is like to convince people, but more often than not, I hear people being like, "No, like I was right. It's gross. Why did you do this to me? Yeah, I pay a lot for this membership, <laughs> right?" Um, and no, I'm I'm I, I just checked the internet real quick, and yes, I am 21 here in Nevada. Um, this doesn't tell me the year this was released. Oh, I remember that beer. But yeah, yep. it was it was a barrel aged narwhal with red and black currants, and they said we aged this rich chocolatey imperial stout, awesome so far in bourbon barrels. Love it with a mix of both red currants and black currants, and that's where they lost me, at least in the description. And then I tried it, and they lost me there too. Yeah. It was gross. I don't know, man. Yeah, it's a weird it's a weird style to add currants to. At least with this Saison, it kind of makes sense. It, on paper. Again, not in my mouth, but at yeah. least I understand what they were going for. I would have loved to have seen vanilla in this. Yeah, I mean, just to sweeten it up and smooth it out a little bit. Yeah. Sure. I, I think, again, there's a time and place for this sort of thing. And people who do like this, who like this abrupt, aggressive acidity... This will be great. Mm-hmm. I can't say it's a bad beer. I can say I don't like it. I can say the face that you just made as you finished your two ounces, um, uh, you know. Super, it, super sour a face. a challenge in your mouth, perhaps. Super sour face. I don't know. It's it's fine. Was it pretty expensive? Do you know? Or, I know uh, you've I had it for a while. It came with my membership. So it was, All right. you know, a portion of that. And they send you, like, was it monthly or quarterly? Or quarterly. Yeah, I think I got two of these. Uh, okay. Not terribly expensive, Okay. Though. That's yeah. probably for the best. I don't think it should be. Eight <laughs> percent. That's something to talk about, I suppose. Like, yeah. it's a you know, it's got some got some punch to it. I just, yeah, for me, it's it's not great. I'm probably getting to the point where I'm ready to give it a rating. If, yeah, if you are, if there's nothing sure. else, have we missed anything about this? I don't think so. I, I mean, so either the mint's fairly non-existent. I do love the berry notes, the Marion berry notes that I get. You know, be it they are a little, little bit much on mm-hmm. the tangy mm-hmm. department, but I still like the. The jamminess it does provide, even if that is a super tangy jamminess. Yeah. Can I make a correction? Is it 6.3? It is 6.3%. I did this last week, too. You did. I don't know what it is about 8, but you're like, everything's an 8. Yep. It's 8%. No, it's 6.3%, which makes more sense. Yep. Um, I was, I was a moment ago, I was like, oh, at least it's 8%. Like, you get a little punch. No, you don't. No. 6.3. More in line stylistically. Um, and maybe maybe your brain went like, oh, it's barrel-aged. Maybe mm-hmm. it's stronger, but it's not that kind of barrel aging. It's it's flavor imparting barrel aging. Yeah. So okay, let's give it a rating. Let's go out of ten. Yeah. Uh, after you, Johnny Summers. I would give this probably a six four. Six point four. That's yeah. You know, you're one, you couldn't have gone six point three just to go with the ABV there. No. Yeah. For I mean, for me, it's a four. It's not a bad beer. Probably. I just don't like it. Yeah. And that's fine. It's still you know respect the art, respect the craft. Awesome. For me, meh. I'm glad I tried it. It's cool. Good I don't have a lot of experience with four barrel ages on a rustic saison that uses mint that you can't detect. So. You don't? <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> what are you, a peasant? Um, all right. Well, once all again, right. you're listening to Fresh Off Cinema. If you've tried Philosophy of Love, specifically the Superstition one, and you think we got it wrong or you know that because we are beer aficionados with specific palaces, palaces? palates. I have a palace as well. We got this right. Please do get in touch. 
Let us know what you think. You can leave us a voicemail if you want, or perhaps more conveniently, you can send us a text to 530-433-0839. Whether it's positive or negative, we really appreciate some good quality feedback. Again, our number is 530-433-0839. And hey, if you like the show, help us out and leave us a five-star rating on Apple Podcasts. Yeah, it only takes a couple seconds, and it is one of the most effective ways to help us get this here show in front of new potential listeners. What's next, you ask? It's a trailer for It Lives Inside. If you haven't seen it, do not worry. There are no spoilers in our next segment, so please don't go anywhere. When Tamir and I were kids, my mom used to tell us stories. Never to sleep with a bad feeling in our hearts. Because there's a dark thing that feeds on those feelings. What is the deal with Tamira? Is she doing all right? My stomach drops every time she, like, appears out of thin air like that. There's something in here. You can't see it. But... Lives inside. Don't you hear it? You it needs to tenderize the soul by attacking your sanity, isolating you from those who love you. And if anyone tries to help you, it will hurt them. It doesn't kill you right away. It eats you slowly. When it's ready. If you're just joining us, you're listening to Fresh Hop Cinema, a show about the worlds of craft beer and film. If you're listening on the radio waves of KZFR 90.1 FM, you're sadly going to be missing out on some solid gold that's available exclusively to our podcast listeners. So if you'd like to hear the whole episode, you can subscribe to Fresh Hop Cinema on Apple Podcasts or wherever quality podcasts are found by you, the listener. It's currently available for your streaming pleasure. So at the end of this, if you're just dying to know what all the hot and bothered fuss is about, please go listen. Desperate to fit in at school, Sam rejects her East Indian culture and family to become like everybody else. However, when a mythological demonic spirit latches onto her former best friend, she must come to terms with her heritage to defeat it. That's a sort of generic description again for the film It Lives Inside, which is the first feature-length uh, film from director Bashal Dutta, who's done like 19 short films before, I think, won a bunch of awards for some of them, but this is far and away the, the longest and the most involved. Um, it was also written by Duda, and it stars Megan Suri as Sam, uh, Mohana Krishnan as her friend Tamira. Uh, let's see who else is worth mentioning. Her parents, her mom and dad, are played by uh, Niru Bajwa and Vic Sahay. And then you have Betty Gabriel, who I think first appeared to most audiences in Get Out. She plays Joyce, who is a teacher at the school that these girls go to. 
This film premiered at South by Southwest in March of 2023 and had its theatrical release last weekend for us on September 22nd. It runs an hour and 39 minutes long. Johnny Summers. Yeah. Thoughts on this movie and a rating, if you please. Man, I absolutely abhorred it. Oh, that's a bummer. Yeah, didn't like it right. one bit. And it tell you why, man. It was so formulaic. This was just like a standard issue demonic horror film. Uh-huh. Like sprinkled in with, you know, a little bit of culture and a little bit of background in like Indian folklore. Okay. But it was so formulaic to you know, it really reminded me of like a mashup of The Ring and The Boogeyman. Mm-hmm. Like, and that, it follows a little bit, a little bit, little bit, not as much. That was a superior movie in every single way. Sure. Um, but yeah, man, it just felt so done and very uninspired. It felt very unoriginal, honestly. I was, it was dressed up with some some window dressing of of diversity, and there was definitely that angle to it. Uh, but I thought it tried to tackle big issues. Uh, you know, there's, there's immediately you get issues of, you know, her body image, the first scene we meet Sam, she's shaving her arms. So Mm -hmm. there's obviously issues of insecurity there. Then there's the issues of, you know, her, her being a child of immigrant parents, being an immigrant herself. It's, it's all, it could have gone deep and complex, but it's sort of things that were just thrown out there as fact and like never really addressed again at much length. Okay. Um, didn't really follow through the horror aspects really didn't land it felt super predictable from the story to the jump scares to the everything mm-hmm. um so all all in all very unimpressed out of 10 two two nice. yeah um i liked it quite a bit really yeah i really did okay and and i i don't I, sometimes i regret that we do it where like you give me your thoughts and then i go but either way if i go first this would happen to you i assume which is that i feel Almost the need in in this case, it's specific because you said some things that I agree with, but I don't take issue with, mm. and so it puts me in a position of almost feeling like I need to make a case against what you said. Mm. Um, but in, in this case, I feel like it's it's a valid approach because I will make the argument that horror movies, particularly a couple subcategories, like certainly demonic films, um, demonic possession movies, slasher films, many of these we really enjoy. And we enjoy them despite the fact that they are formulaic. Mm-hmm. I will also make the case in my coming thoughts that the cultural aspect is not an afterthought here. I think it's the entire driving force. And I think that becomes clear throughout the way the film progresses. And you mentioned the shaving the arm scene. When we meet her, she's, yeah, she's, I don't take that so much as body image as assimilation with the American culture. And that's kind of the through line for her character. It's it's her versus Tamira. And Tamira is clearly much more ingrained still in her Indian culture. And Sam is, um, I mean, as obvious as like changing her name from Samita to, I go by Sam now, I'm American. Like that is the internal battle our main character has to fight. And so some of these movies that are formulaic, like what's coming, um, the, um, the Exorcist remake is coming out soon. I very much doubt that that's gonna be anything new. And I still think it might be okay. Uh, the Pope's Exorcist with Russell Crowe just came out. I turned that movie off. It was, it literally brought nothing new to the table. This at least has a cultural commentary that I think is worthwhile. But even beyond all that, what keeps me interested in horror movies, if you go, if you go a little bit more shallow, you take away all the social commentary, whatever. I'm a big fan of moods, and 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 environments and kind of vibes. And this movie achieves the vibe that it's going for. Like I'm a sucker for spooky high school settings. And this is in like a sleepy town, so you get some of those amazing, iconic kind of horror shots. In this case, it's like the 
the, the wide shot of the house is the sprinklers going off in the morning. There's a dog barking. There's a great shot of her walking at night that I think is in the trailer. Uh, her silhouette is just kind of leading the camera. There's really great cinematography here. I think the sound design is wonderful. It was super immersive. There's a point in the movie where we start to see the monster a lot, and I could see that putting people off. It, it takes away some of the mystique, but I actually thought the way that it looked seemed very practical, and so I liked it. Um, I liked all the aspects of it. I agree, formulaic, not a whole lot new story-wise, but I think the journey from A to B or A to Z was was pretty entertaining. And I was creeped out effectively enough. Mm-hmm. Like I thought there were some pretty great performances. Um, Megan Story as Sam has some great, like, uh, you know, like scream queen moments that are pretty good. She does a good, she's got a great single teardrop that she employs throughout the movie to varying degrees of effect, but I think well done. <laughs> um, I, dude, I, yeah, I was into it. I learned a little bit about Indian culture and, and uh, Indian, uh, in this case, the Hindi religion. Like there's all this stuff and they incorporated it pretty well. Like it's nice to get a break from like, you know, Satan's coming to take over and we need Jesus's power. Like it's the same thing. Don't get me wrong, but it's a different spin and it's, it's a new cultural language to describe what I'm so sick of seeing described with like the Christian mythology. So I was into it. I think, you know, I'd watch it again. I thought it was really good. I, I'm going to give it like an eight out of 10. Damn. I really liked it. Yeah. I was stoked. Wow. So those are my, those are my initial thoughts. All right. Um, I don't know. That's yeah. I don't know. What do you, you got any, got anything to say to any of that or we can talk well, about the stuff. We got some time. So you said one thing that I wanted to, to touch on was like I like to you know take it shallower. Sure. Yeah. But also I would like to push back that like you're well documented that, that like a horror movie if it's going to interest you has to like have something to say. Sure. Let me clarify right? before we get away with this. All I was saying is for a moment if I take it out of the context of the cultural stuff and, yeah. and the message that I also appreciated just like the the meat and potatoes of the environment. Right. The so vibe. not to say that I didn't like the rest of it like it wasn't worthwhile. Yeah. It had both for me. So I would say this movie really had nothing to say that hasn't been said a hundred times before, and it was just told through a different religious lens. But that's interesting to me. Uh, why? Like, what made it different? Just different words to describe demons? How many movies have we seen where it's just, yeah, basically, yeah. like where it's just the same and we're introduced to the same good guys and bad guys? Like, like I, I, I'll say this to the danger zone. Never mind. There's a really specific specific example of... How what you're saying is right. Like it's not any different to the point at the end of the movie, the way that the big I can't even say it now. Yeah. I'll save it. Mm-hmm. Um but it's like a totally different tone. The the family dynamics are different. Like we, there's so many horror movies where let's let's take white America like middle America, white middle class family, right? There's like the Stephen King's really good or bad at this, depending on if you're sick of it. Like the non-attached parents that have no idea what's going on, like the dad's a drinker and beats his kids, and you know the kids end up in some sort of satanic kind of situation. Mm-hmm. That is fine, but that's done. At least here we have we have like the immigrant identity crisis that's happening. We have the coming of age part of this with her, and you have a brand new lexicon of religious stuff that I found so refreshing. I was like, I didn't know any of this. And this is probably grounded in fairly realistic Hindi faith, which mm-hmm. I think is kind of cool because we don't see that a lot in, yeah. in American cinema. I wish they would have gone deeper with that. Same. With the, with the mythology and focused more yes. on that and less on pretty much everything else. Yes. Like really focus in on this being a horror movie because yes. it's not a teen drama, you know, and it's, sure. it's I don't know. It, for me, I've been steeped in so many of the movies that this is derivative of that mm-hmm. I really can't see past that. Where it's just yeah. like this is just so done. Yeah, it's just, it's the same movie that's been made 
75 times just wearing a different shirt and eating different food. That's true. Yeah. And, and that really- To just, some extent, I agree. Yeah. And as a film, like I love, you know, more cultural representation. Mm-hmm. That's dope. If you're going to do that, go all in. Like, How do you mean? With the mythology. Like remember like the Babadook? They mm-hmm. went all in on that mythology and that lore. Are you saying we need more backstory? Either more backstory or like- just more focused on the demons and the lore and the religion. Okay. Because it was there, but it was not like permeated throughout the movie. That's true. I would, I'm would. i going to make the case that the movie is not a – well, granted, like the Babadook's not about the thing. But, right. But you're right. It is like it's more central to our understanding of the film as it progresses. Mm-hmm. We're here – and I'm saying this is a positive, I think you're saying it as a negative, it's more about her dynamic with her friends and her family and and that, and you would have preferred maybe more of the, of like really getting to dig our teeth in to the, to the monster stuff, to yeah, the demon stuff. Because a lot of the interpersonal stuff other than with her parents mm-hmm. and with Tamira mm-hmm. was useless. It did nothing for the movie. The whole relationship with the, the boy was I'll, I'll give you the boy. You're awful. Right. Is that was tough. Awful. The boy and stuff was tough. The interactions with her teacher didn't didn't need him. It was so generic. You could have just that could have been a silent film, and I could have told. I you agree, but I was. But I'm also going to say those are the only two characters that have nothing to do with her religion or her family dynamics. Mm-hmm. And I so I agree. I think they didn't need to be there. I would have preferred more time with her family or with like another Indian family that is assimilated into American culture or Tamira's family or there's a whole nother kid who we never meet because he dies and that's how the movie starts kind of. Yeah. More of that would be great. Yeah. I'll also probably make the case here that, and this might very well spawn a sequel, but some of some pretty great horror franchises start off with a sort of vague understanding of the bad thing mm-hmm. and then expand that mythology in in subsequent films. Yeah. Sub- subsequent. Subsequent. <laughs> subsequent films. Like what comes to mind is like Insidious um, or uh, is that the one with the projector? It is, right? Sinister. Sinister, right. That's what I meant. Sinister. Mm-hmm. You don't really know. And then you get a lot of revealing towards the end. And then the second movie like really explores that. I think something similar happens in the Conjuring franchises. So I, for me, like the groundwork is laid for a character that I care about. And I, I also think that the movie sets itself up for a sequel if it wants it or if the people want it. Mm-hmm. So I'm with you. I want more of this as well, but I'm willing to wait for it because now I'm kind of invested in the characters. Yeah, I think as a horror fan, you have to come with more right out the gate to get me invested in the, the franchise opportunity. Yeah. For me, personally, totally. I, I just, it didn't have enough to grab me. Mm-hmm. It wasn't new enough. It wasn't different enough. It didn't have enough unique, uh, enough of a unique voice yeah. for me to say, oh, I would totally be stoked if they made a sequel. That's, if they yeah. made a prequel and maybe like how this all started. But you're that's still saying you're interested in what's going on. It depends if they made it different. You know what I'm mm-hmm. saying? Like. Mm-hmm. They just didn't focus enough on the right things, and and it was just super distracting. They could have made this a much better horror film. It, it's definitely a mileage will vary for different people. I yeah. agree. Um, and yeah, potentially sort of divisive. You didn't hate it. Uh, you came close to hating it, I think. Mm-hmm. But there seems like there's a spark of hope for something to be good about it I in mean, the future. It wasn't in the ones, but it was still right. a two. Yeah, I guess that's true. It's not good. It's well, it's not good. It's pretty. We're pretty far apart on this. Yeah, and that's okay because once again, you've been listening to Fresh Hop Cinema and possibly on KZFR ninety point one FM. If you have thoughts on anything we've discussed on the show today so far, please do get in touch. Again, you can call or text at five three zero four three three zero eight three nine, or just send a good old fashioned email to fhccast at gmail dot com. 
when we come back, we're getting into the weeds. We'll be discussing It Lives Inside with spoilers. So if you haven't seen it yet, consider this your second to last warning. And don't touch that dial. We will be right back with The Danger Zone. Danger Zone. All right, it's The Danger Zone. This is your final warning. If you haven't seen It Lives Inside, I will make the argument you should maybe not listen until you've seen it. Johnny would probably make the argument. doesn't matter. If you've mm-hmm. seen any horror movies like this, you've seen this movie. I think... Plot-wise, you're probably pretty close to the money on that. <laughs> Let's start on common ground. Let's start with this kid mm-hmm. who I, you know, I'm going to give him a little credit where it's due. I'm going to look at this guy's name. I didn't write it in the cast list. But what was your main problem? And could you please also set up this character? Yeah. Well, I mean, we should also set up the entire probably vibe of Sam's interactions with her students, her peers at sure. this high school. She's, it's obvious within 30 seconds of her interacting with anyone non-white at this high school that she's being fetishized. She's basically, it's her and Tamira. Yeah. And then a bunch of white people. Bunch of whites. And then her teacher, Joyce, who is black. Yeah. Okay. But yeah, like her, this one friend of hers uh, asked her to say something in Hindi. In, in Hindi, yeah. Uh, actually, in in Hindu, I think, and then she Hindi's corrects the him. language, Hindu is the religion. Yeah, and then Sam corrects yeah. her like it's actually Hindi, and she goes, "Okay, say that you're my best friend," or yeah. whatever. And then she busts out her phone. It was weird. Like it's one thing to like want to hear her say it; it's another to record it. Yeah, to so commodify you... and like post it on yeah. your Twitter. So yeah, the obvious like fetishization of her and her culture. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so there's a there's a dude. There's a, a, his a, name's, a bro. His name's Russ. That's a character that he's played by, by Gage Marsh. Oh, my God. He's like they the, should have just yeah. used his real name. <laughs> Gage. He's like, you know, and we're talking like seniors in high school. So, like, he's got a car and he smokes. Um, was it? It was weed. Of course yeah. it was weed. Hey, guess if he had, like, a 1960s muscle car. Oh, he did. Yeah, dude. Yeah. He, uh, he, was, he was great. He was like, whatever. Yes, that's the character. <laughs> he was something, man. Uh, yeah. yeah. But that is the vibe of the school. She's kind of... And, and there's her and Tamira. And Tamira, we meet at a rough time. She's carrying around this jar, a glass jar, by the way, which is my biggest problem with this movie. You've trapped an ancient demon and you can't let it out and you've used a mason jar. Yeah. Don't, not even to mention Sam then, after that one breaks, she brings another glass jar. Bro, get a Rubbermaid. Get like, like a, get a, get a Yeti thermos. Right. Drop that in the ocean. One of them Stanley thermoses you get, can transport soup dude, in. Yeah, give the it the Jumanji in. treatment. Like yeah. drop it and then somebody else can find it for the sequel. But like, why are you bringing a glass mason jar to a demon fight? One bad step. Crazy. Or one freak out by your childhood best friend, you slam it on the ground. Yeah. Whatever. The point is we meet Tamira. She's already captured this demon or, or the kid before Karan had trapped it. Mm-hmm. Now she's carrying it around, feeding it. Lord knows why. Feeding it chunks of raw meat. Because it's hungry. So she's, yeah. if we didn't get the vibe, she's clearly like the outcast Indian, quote unquote, and yeah. Sam is trying to blend in, basically. Mm-hmm. Okay. That's the vibe. Yeah. I can't remember. I don't know where you're going with that, but that is the situation. Oh, you asked me to set the stage for the the kid. For the boy. Russ. For Russ. Yeah. So yeah. you were going to touch on Russ. Well, we, we both thought he was not necessary for this. Like, yeah. she meets him at, like, a they call it a kickback. It's like a kegger out in the woods. Yeah. And it starts raining, and then there's, like, a romantic tension, and then she's like, let me lay out all this on you real quick. This kid was murdered. I have his journal. Do you want to go explore this haunted house with me? Yeah. It's like a 20-minute character arc for this kid, and he then is killed. Yeah. Then, well, necessarily then they go. And they explore, and then they leave, and then she has like a revelation. They go back the next because they day. drop the diary in the attic. Yeah, and he has to go back for it. Yeah, and then they smoke weed, which I'm no expert, but if you're like getting chased by a potentially like a demon and being haunted, it's not the drug of choice. No, it's just not. It's not a good time it's for a that. Terrible call. Yeah. 
especially if it's her first time. I know. Oh. And then she has to go into the, it's wild. It's a hell of a time to be it's prepared. It's a wild choice. That might've been the scariest scene in the movie. When he is dealing with what he does, having with? to deal with like being inside of a demon possessed house Crazy. while stoned to How the gills. How would you do that? Yeah. Why? Why does she go back in when they're on the swings and they're smoking? She was recovered the diary. That she she wanted to look in the basement or something. She finally realized that like she maybe she knew where so and so's body was or something. Oh, maybe. Yeah. Meanwhile, or no, she knew where Tamir was. And she thinks she was in the basement, so she was going to go look. Then the kid starts getting right. Weird. And then she was in like a trance state. I like those little transitions when the more you're getting taken by this demon or, or sleep deprived or whatever, they do like this really cool dolly shot where, you know, it's like a, it's like a Spike Lee kind of thing where uh, the, you know, the actor is on a dolly and so is the camera. So they're moving in tandem, but like the background's moving. Mm -hmm. It's very, it's very um, disassociating. Yeah. It's a very effective shot. Mm -hmm. um, but yeah, nothing of consequence really happens due to the actions of Russ. No. And therefore I think. We kissed her. He did kiss her. Like she's like trauma dumping and like. Is that, I'm, am I conflating movies? Did he ask, can I kiss you again? Yeah. And then they made out a little bit? Yeah. That was that movie? Yep. Okay. Yeah, good. Okay. But I it's saw like, it yesterday. Just out of nowhere, she's like confessing about like demon possession and like. Like a really, oh, like she's having a tough time. Yeah, like wild <laughs> stuff. And he's like, well, this is my cue to lead him for a kiss. I do like that they did that because that is what, you know, that character would do in these movies. Yeah. Like I'm surprised they didn't try it in the car. That felt right. like the setup for that. Yeah. Um. Now. Uh, but that was the problem with this whole movie is yeah. everything that that character should do at that time, they just, they do. For the most part. Yeah. He dies. Yeah, that's his job. I suppose so. He dies. But, but again, like that doesn't do much for us except, and maybe this is going out on a limb, but you know, she is there at the scene of his death and you get one shot where a lot of the members of the community are kind of starting to side eye her. Like, mm -hmm. oh, this weird foreigner. Yeah. So maybe it does that a little bit and puts a little pressure on her. Maybe. Yeah. That's fine. And she's also traumatized from watching him get strangled by an invisible demon on the swing set. Yeah, that, that would ruin you. anyone's afternoon. Um, okay. So what I was going to say earlier, as it pertained to this film ending in a way that a lot of other films have, namely demonic possession films of the Christian American persuasion. Oh, with the prayer. With the prayer, which yeah. is essentially, in this case, it's it's this Hindi prayer that they repeat over and over essentially saying the power of Christ compels you yeah. is basically how it works. Yeah. And that's fine for me. Like it is, that was the most, I wish they had done something slightly different right. there, but you got to get it back in the, you got to put the genie back in the bottle somehow mm -hmm. or the demon in the Mason jar, which should now be the phrase. Yeah. But uh, we got to put this demon back in this jar. So here's what didn't happen though. It didn't go back in the jar because the jar breaks. And maybe that's why they chose a glass jar. Cause at this point as the audience are like, what are you doing with a glass jar? Yeah. The glass jar breaks subversion. Mm -hmm. She, takes a big yawn, sucks the demon into her own body. So I knew that was going to happen as soon as- the one Swami thing. That yeah, as soon as said. her mom said that, I was assuming it would be her mother because her mother was so rooted in tradition yes. and maintaining cultural yeah. you know, correctness and yes. all that. I wouldn't have been surprised at all if it would have been the mother. I think it couldn't have been the mother because this isn't about the mom. It's about, it's about Sam embracing a healthy balance between her Indian roots and her American uh, identity. And her- Demon diet. And of course her demon diet. Her yeah. raw meat on a platter. Yeah. Which apparently she eats every meal. Yeah. I thought that was like, because it was like one year later. I thought maybe once a year she had to like swallow some beef liver to appease the demon right. inside, no. you know? No, it turns <laughs> out that um, it, that demons are actually keto. So Yeah, right, right. Yeah. And she's having this, friend, this conversation with Tamira at the end of the movie and she's like, Tamira's like, you got, oh, I can't believe you got to eat that all the time. And she's mm -hmm. like, you get used to it. And I was like, no, you don't. <laughs> right? You would not. Unless, yeah, unless you're that internet dude. 
with the big old, I don't even want to, Liver King? Yeah. You don't no. get used to it. Yeah, you know, I mean, it turns out this demon's a big fan of Joe Rogan. What are you going to do? Right. What are you going to do? I, I thought that was, I think the fact that she took it on herself um, was yeah, but, great. What else are you going to do? But to what end? Like, what's the consequence? I don't know. Like, it's going to get out in the next that's movie. Such a, mm, that's yeah. a terrible ending. I also, for a second at the end, when we get that final shot of her after she says bye to Tamira, and we get that single tear that I mentioned earlier, mm -hmm. I thought her eyes were going to like do, I love the eye effect in the monster. Like when it's in the closet, you just see those little white eyes. Mm -hmm. I thought that was going to happen to her eyes, but instead she's just like very upset. Yeah. Because clearly she's not doing great. Yeah. Well, she's got an ancient demon living yeah. in her. I also thought maybe for a while, this, this movie turned into like just fighting the monster. Yeah. Which I thought was kind of weak too. Yeah. I wish that, because it, it seemed it was very spiritual. It was invisible for a while. I wasn't even sure if it was there all the time. Like, mm -hmm. is it just psychological? Right. And then by the end, it, it's a full-on physical fight with this monster. Mm -hmm. Which was a choice. It was I, a choice. I appreciated the choice to keep it invisible. Yep. I wish they would have just maybe done that the whole time. I, I kind of do too. Yeah. But again, like, it's almost like when you do see the monster, the uh, Pashash or Pashash, I can't mm -hmm. remember what it's called. It's a very, very specific. It's almost like a mutated. Uh, what's the dude's name? The big dinosaur that attacks Tokyo? Godzilla. Godzilla. Yeah. It's like a mutated tiny Godzilla with crazy eyes and like a big um, maw. What's that fish with the, you know, oh, the like bottom an of the angler ocean? Fish? Like an angler fish mouth. Yeah. It, it was such a specific suit and so practical that I think in that moment, it could have lost a lot of people, but I was like, okay, they're doubling down on the aesthetic of this movie and choosing to make this monster very tangible, very tactile. And yeah. I liked it. I thought it was a cool choice. Definitely took like a right turn on on creature feature. Like totally. Psychological totally did. To, to creature feature. Thematically, I think that was a bad call. Visually, yeah. I think it was great. I think this movie was all over the place and yeah. I didn't like it. Yeah, fair enough. Meh. Do you have anything else you want to spoil about it? I don't think so. I think I'm probably good too. So I mean, skip it. I say watch it. Absolutely watch this movie. It's watch it. You stand. You stand by that eight. Oh yeah, hundred percent. You stand by the two point two. I know you wouldn't have asked me that eight if you didn't stand by your rating. Yeah. Yeah. I think. Yeah. It's a little divisive. That's no, fine. I was trying to talk you out. Talk you down. No, I'm not coming down from that. No, I think it's awesome. I'd like to watch it again. All right. Uh, there's also been a bit of a dearth in horror movies this year. I can't even remember. Was Barbarian this year or last yeah. year, dude? Barbarian is superior to this for different reasons, but. Mm -hmm. I think it's good. Good. Let's uh, let's maybe go a route that we can both agree on wholeheartedly, which is that we both enjoy Imperial Stouts. You feel like we dig it out of the old cooler? Definitely. All right, we are back with beer number two now. This is a 12-ounce can. Before you even open it, Johnny, let me look at that can. Let me uh, let me take a gander around. This is called Tonight, 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 as you said. This is a really this is a really fun can. I enjoy this. It's got a wraparound blue label, which is outlining a suburban neighborhood, presumably... I would say Southern California, by the looks of it, there's palm trees, there's two-story houses, there's one per perhaps mansion on the side, and it says pretty much what Johnny's about to tell you. The only information I will add is that this was canned on June 16th of this year, which is just a few months ago, which is you know well within when we should be drinking a stout. Maybe it would be different if we sat on it for a while, but we're not gonna. No. So tell me about this beer, John. Again, tonight, 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 from Highland Park Brewing out of LA. It is an imperial stout that is 12%. Tonight, tonight, tonight is our big imperial stout with tons of coconut and vanilla. Oh. Yeah. Oh, I see. This is going to be pretty good. Yeah. Okay. This beer will make you nostalgic for Mounds Bar with every sip. Remind me, Griffith J. Griffith. Yes. Is it just a straightforward stout? Coffee stout. It's a coffee with stout. Tricero coffee. And it was like a pretty thick, strong stout, wasn't it? Mm-hmm. 
I have a lot of faith in this beer that you're about to hear me open. It's, oh, if I can open it. There it is. Oh, yeah, look at that. <laughs> cracked, a, cracked a quart of engine oil over here. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, I mean, well, it's not quite on the, the level of uh, thickosity that Griffith was, but it's it's not thin by the looks of it. I've really missed the um, Oscar Blues beer. 1050. Yeah. I we had a can of it you and I did that must have been old and it was had really gone uh soy saucy. Yeah. But for whatever reason, probably because it was one of the beers that I had tried earlier in my craft beer tasting career, like it just sits with me as the pinnacle of both you know, imperial style, imperial stout style beers, and also like nostalgia for that style. It's both. It was a landmark. It really was. And it was a really good beer to have be a landmark. Sometimes you you remember fondly beers that are bad. Just booty. Yeah. yeah. And you'd be like, it was a good time in my life. Like I enjoyed mm-hmm. it, you know. Um, but that one in particular, I think was great. Yeah, it's good to, to do that when you look back and realize like some of the beers you liked earlier are still good. Totally. It's like, Yes. Same with movies. Dude. Like I have good taste. Totally. Somewhere in there, I knew I had good taste. Or, or worst case, like at least I still have bad taste. Right. You know, at least, at least I haven't evolved at all. At least I still don't know what's all. Good. All that to say, uh, between my experience with Griffith J. Griffith, and and my nostalgia for Barrel Age Ten Fifty, I have hope that this will be perhaps a new benchmark on our seventh anniversary mm-hmm. as a stout that I will look back on fondly when we hit our eight, nine, ten, fifty year anniversary of the podcast. Now you're taking a sip of this, presumably for the first time. Have you ever had this beer before? And just say no. Please just say mm, no. I mean, honestly, no. I think I got these in, and I, I might have shared one, but more than likely, no. Wonderful. So we're trying it together for the first time. Absolutely. How wonderful. What did you think? Actually, wait. Wait. I'm going to try it first. Can <laughs> okay. you say something else? Yeah. Uh, I'm super stoked to share this. I've been on kind of a not drinking kick. I only really sample beers during the podcast for the last couple of weeks. Uh, and I really was stoked to... I tried to bring these a couple of weeks ago, and you're like... Oh, right. No, we should just get like, are you doing this for convenience? But this week I have more reasons why I did it. Yeah. Um, mainly the number one reason is that's how this show started was like us just finding some cool beers that that's we true. just had. Uh, and like no. the first one, well, the first episode, of. we we got a crowler from Fieldwork. We, but then it was just a beer that you had in your cellar. Well, because I just, this is a weird tie-in, but I'll, I'll mention that anyways. Um, a couple weeks ago. It was my. It was our friend Sean's birthday mm-hmm. who passed away, and the beer that we started this show with was a beer that I got at a brewery, a couple doors down from his wedding venue that I mm. brought back from the trip to go to his wedding. Mm. So that was that beer. It was. It was from. Um, uh, oh, I got it. It's right. I can see it. It was called the Keeper's Old Ale from. Um, oh man, I don't know. Why I can't think of it right now. I'll think of it in like two seconds. Yeah. But that is so. It wasn't like a totally beer that I just had lying around. It was a fairly new one to me, and I was excited to share it with you. Yeah, which is I think similar to this. Like you've had this for not, clearly not too long. Yeah, uh, and here but we are. Long enough. Like, yeah, and like certain beers, you want to just like that's something for something special. Totally. I don't want to sit on it forever, but like I want to bust that open with you at yeah. a time when it, like we get to share it and enjoy it together. Right. So yeah, I am super stoked to share it with with you. I've tried it now. Now tell me your thoughts because I already have my own. Okay. You can't bias me at this it, point. It kind of is punchy with like almost a marshmallow vibe mm-hmm. right up front. Mm-hmm. I get that a lot and I I rather enjoy it. The coconut is is obviously super present mm-hmm. and as well as the vanilla. Yet somehow it doesn't get cloying. Like it's not crazy, desserty, sweet. It doesn't linger that way, but I would say when you drink it, it absolutely is. It's also very rewardingly thick. 
It's mm. a it's a very very viscous beer. Yeah, I'm into it. I'm it's I'm so, so glad that happened because I'm sick of. Um, by the way, it's Diamond Knot Brewing was the one up in. Uh, I think they're in Muckleteo proper, but I could be wrong. Um. I don't remember what I was saying. Oh, it's it's so thick. It's like I'm sick of expecting thickness in a big stout and then having too much sweetness or too much alcohol burn or whatever and then not having the body to back it up. Yeah. And this is very, very nice that at least on my first sip that mm-hmm. it's giving me all those vibes. No, absolutely, man. It really follows through. Most of their stouts are that way where like if it says it's a big old yes. juicy or big old juicy, yeah. <laughs> juicy yeah, <great>. stout. <laughs> no, chewy stout, yeah. chocolatey, like it, they they deliver. And the the viscosity is is where it needs to be with this. Yes, quite pleasing drinking experience. You've seen the classic film Matilda. Yeah, the cake the, scene. The cake scene. Yeah, you can you picture the glossy quality of that frosting? At least oh. I think it is. I could just be romanticizing it and misremembering, but there's a particular type of frosting on a chocolate cake. Isn't it like a almost, ganache? It could be a ganache. Yeah, very very well could be. There's also I can't think of oh or picture the sheen on. Venom from Spider-Man 3, mm-hmm. that kind of almost reflective, oily quality is what this, as it pertains to the frosting, not Venom, that's what this smells like. That really, <laughs> this I don't know what smells, smells like, smells like. <laughs> particularly Tom Hardy's <laughs> right. Venom. Um, no, it smells so decadent and rich. You get a little bit less of like the vanilla marshmallowy stuff on the nose. Yeah. But it smells so, so sweet and decadent, almost, almost to the point where it puts you off. And I will say it doesn't have that in the taste as much. It's not mm-hmm. so like it's not sickly sweet on the taste. But if I had just smelled it and I were at all apprehensive about a stout like this, I would have been concerned. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. But then immediately my fears would be yeah. gone when I tasted it. And this is only going to get better as it warms up. Mm. That's worth noting. Yeah. Pulled it fresh out of the ice. It should be, yeah, it should be worse than it would be if we let it go for another like, 10 or 15. From my first sip to the one I just took, it's already gotten better. Yeah. It helps that we poured it in. I'm, I don't know if you noticed, but I'm holding my glass. Yeah. Um, you know, like I'm throwing a, a knuckleball here. Firmly grasping. It's like the worst beer warming up pitch to throw. A knuckleball. You're like barely, you know. Right. I guess I'm throwing like a fastball. Like a like a, a four-seam fastball. Yeah, there we go. I'm just like just really trying to warm it up. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm curious to see what's going to happen to it when it does warm up a little bit because it's pretty great right now. Mm-hmm. Is there anything you're not liking about it? Not much. Not much. Uh Really enjoy the balance between the coconut and the vanilla and the chocolate. Like when they say Mounds Bar, mm-hmm. it's it's kind of a complex thing to marry three flavors like that, but also it's executed in a way that makes it taste like it was put together simply, but in the best way. Yeah. Like the ratios are right on. It's just a, a really solid balance of all the flavors happening. It doesn't feel like there's too much of anything because that's always like a big question. Are with, you, just the, to clarify, are you saying as it pertains to a Mounds Bar? No, as it pertains to a beer. Okay. Like this beer, the flavors combining in this beer. Uh, they just, there's like great ratios. Like the recipe, they nailed uh-huh. it, you know, because that's the question you ask of like all these dessert beers that have 17 adjuncts or even mm-hmm. anything more than one or two, uh-huh. right? Yes. It's like what's the balance going to be? What's going to be forward? What's going to fall off like immediately? Sure. And how is that going to translate? Excuse me. Excuse you. Yeah. And it all comes down to recipe, the roast of the malt. You know, all of the, mm-hmm. the good stuff that mm-hmm. they use to thicken it, mm-hmm. which is just extra, like extra time in the boil, I guess. Who knows? Yeah, Who knows I, the I magic don't. that happens in the alchemist brewery I world? Don't. But they're making some thicky, thick thickness. Dude, so two two parts to this. I think the measure of a properly thick stout, if that's what the goal is to achieve, is that 
if you sit across the table from a podcast partner and listen to them talk for about 30 to 40 seconds, when you go to open your mouth, your lips stick together yeah. in, in an almost kind of melted then refrozen chapstick scenario. <laughs> I don't know if you guys ever leave chapstick in the car, but if you do, it melts and then it reforms and the the sticky quality that it develops is unnatural, ungodly even. That's a, a telltale sign of a good thick stout, I think. This has that. Yeah. That is such a specific scenario. I know. What this also has that I don't like and disagree with you on is a perfect harmony and balance of these flavors. It skews to coconut to mm. be perfect for me. Yeah. And it doesn't come through aggressively. You got to be searching. You got to be thinking if you're reviewing a beer like this. You got to be in the headspace where you're trying to think, this might be a perfect beer. You got to start there. And then you got to think, why isn't it? Which is not a place that I always get to on the show. Sometimes it's obvious. It's obvious if it's perfect. Or it's obvious if it's clearly not going to be a contender. Mm -hmm. This one I wasn't sure on. It was getting close. And then I found the coconut discrepancy. Yeah. Which is an overwhelming amount of coconut as it compares to its other two companions. Overwhelming to make it not enjoyable? Yes. Not enjoyable? Oh, you mean in general? Yeah. No, no, no. It's still very enjoyable. Okay. Sorry. No, no. It's... um, no, it's like, what are we crazy? But at first, it was complete enjoyment, and yeah. now the abundance of coconut has made it less enjoyable. I wonder if there's going to be more or less coconut as it comes out when it warms up too. That's well. So that was the thing. Like I've noticed it more as I've sipped it on. Yeah, I sipped on it over the past couple minutes. Hmm. So I think probably more. Okay. And I think that is not a great thing about it. It's still very good, but it is not a perfect beer in my book. Okay. But I think it might be getting to be a perfect beer for you. It's it's in the ballpark. I mean, I, I I can honestly say right now, no, it's not perfect. Okay. Well, then we got to figure out why. Yeah. I mean, there's just like an it factor. There's some intangibles that mm-hmm. are also should be tangible because we're using our senses. Seven years, man. We got right? try to try to put your nose or your tongue or your finger or your ear or your you know eyeball on it if you can. Oh, by the way, this is just since we have a little a little bit of time. We, a couple weeks ago, we were talking about which sensory experiences apply to drinking beer. Mm-hmm. And we couldn't name all five. Like we kind of glazed over it and we moved on. Yeah. But we didn't say taste. <laughs> I'm pretty sure. Like, like I think you and I both assumed that it had been accounted for. Right. But I was literally counting on my fingers. And like we said, like smell, sight, sound. Oh, shoot. Taste, sight, sound, smell, touch. And like we all joked, you and I joked about like, well, you're not really touching the beer. And like maybe you can hear the beer. Right. But we couldn't. We never said taste. I don't think. And I like drove me crazy to the point where I was editing it, and I didn't catch it, and I didn't even think of it in the edit. And then I, I like just thought of that like a couple of days ago. I was like, oh yeah, you taste it. That's one of them. That's one of the five senses. Yeah, that's usually the first one that you evaluate a beer with. <laughs> I know. Yeah, and then we're like, you don't touch it. Oh, you touch it with your mouth. Right, and that's might have been what we said. Well, you got to bring up when we sound dumb. I just think it's important <laughs> to point out we're moving forward into our seventh year. Those were <laughs> six year six year mistakes. Yeah, sure. Anyways. Um, you were just reevaluating that. I think. Yeah, I mean, I do love the balance. I think the 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 nose promises more chocolate than the flavor delivers. I agree, and I would like more chocolate. Mine's a slightly different angle. Mine is that it does not promise as much coconut as it delivers, that and too. I would like less coconut. I think the chocolate's fine. Does coconut really have like a distinct smell? You smell suntan lotion before? That's fake coconut. That's true, but yes, of course it does. Yeah, but like, I don't know. I feel like chocolate overpowers coconut. If you balance it right, it absolutely should, but there's too much coconut in this. No, but like the smell, I'm talking. You, like, well, what do you mean? Like an, like an ounce for an ounce? No, I feel like even in equal portions, the smell of coconut is going to be drowned out by the smell of chocolate. 
I think it depends on the state of the chocolate, you know, like the, the old classic, like what, like what f- smells more, a hundred pounds of coconut or a hundred pounds of chocolate? Obviously. <laughs> You're like, it's, an eight, it's a tale as old as time. Yeah. No, I don't, I don't know. I don't know if I agree. Like, like what kind of chocolate? Like what kind of coconut? Right. Fresh That's coconut? coconut? There's no like control for this. There's fresh like, graded coconut? I don't know. If you grate it, I or feel like shaved? it, 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 it uh, aggravates the coconut fibers, yeah, probably. It releases its scent? It does, probably. You yeah. know, you agitate it. Same with chocolate, probably. Uh, have you ever... Like dismantled and disassembled a coconut. Yes. Like from fresh. Yes. Have you like taken it down to like the shavings and made like yeah, uh, made what like the little like slivers like or yeah. just you know small not chunks but like shavings. Of, yes. Uh, what was the smell factor like on that? Because I don't that know. Was if I probably had... twelve. Okay. I'm not sure. I did it. My dad let me buy a coconut once, and we had to open it with a hammer. Sweet. And like, well, so you know, it's got like the little. You know the three the holes. The bowling balls. Yeah, I'm sure they serve a, a biological purpose, but for our our purposes here, the yeah the bowling ball holes. I hammered a screwdriver through it, and my dad just kind of let me do it. He's like, he'll figure it out, and yeah. I I barely figured it out. I poked holes in all of them, and then I tried to split it open. But I was I think my point is I was more focused on achieving the coconut, um, you know, bisecting than I was analyzing its scent. It's so satisfying when you see them on TV and they just split right in half. Don't know how they do that. I don't either, but. No, it's it's a strong smell. I mean, if I drink coconut water a lot, it's a it's a very noticeable scent. Is it stronger than chocolate? What kind of chocolate? Um, For example, if I okay, put a well, Hershey bar in front of you and a, and a freshly baked tray of brownies, what are you going to smell more? The brownies. Yeah, but they're both chocolate. So it's like, what's the state of the chocolate? And what's huh. the state of the coconut? Yeah. I don't know. There's a lot of variables here. Yeah. Fresh coconut versus like room temperature just well, just taken off of a double boiler. How close is your nose to like Hershey syrup? Equidistant. Equidistant. You're an equilateral triangle, and the coconut and the chocolate's each other point. Yeah, I don't know. I my heart tells me that chocolate's going to overpower. Well, I will make the case that chocolate is closer to the heart. Yeah, it's a, it's a heart food. Coconut is a not heart food. I don't. There's no way to tie this all together, unfortunately. <laughs> so, let's get back to the beer. There's no analogy. I mean, stop there. philosophizing. Yeah, but my point was, um, it smells like there's going to be more chocolate. Yes, and there isn't as much, and it's way more coconut forward. But this is, and I don't even know if this is us making a distinction. I'm not saying there's not enough chocolate. I'm saying there's too much coconut. Mm. I'm, I'm saying I'm smelling, I'm tasting too much coconut. You're saying you're not tasting enough chocolate. Yeah, I'm fine with the amount of coconut. Right, okay. Uh, I just, and honestly, I just took another drink, and the warmer it gets, honestly, some more chocolate kind of came out. Like, it was a bit more chocolatey. Like that is that is more chocolate. Than way that. more candy bar. I Yes. It's wild how much that beer has changed in just 10 minutes of being out of the, the cooler. I'm closer to 20 minutes. Oh, damn. Not. I know. Um, it's still good. It's, but again, I, I think the larger point that we're both making is that it's not a perfect beer. Mm-hmm. And I agree with you. Some of that is intangible. Some of that is the, is the, is the, is the undefinable lightning in a tiny tasting glass on a Wednesday as we do this podcast. And, and this doesn't quite have it. No. But it's very close. It is. So. It's definitely a, a, a incredible beer. It's going to rank very, rate very high. Absolutely. But yeah, man. It's easy to describe a 10 it's even easier to feel it. Like when you drink it true. the first time, you're just like, that's true. You're right. Ooh, this is, this is it. Like, this is exciting. This mm-hmm. very rarely happens, mm-hmm. but it just happened to my mouth. Yep. And I'm very excited. I think it's time to rate it. Okay. You want to go first? You're going to have a higher rating. Do you want me to go first? I don't care, man. Okay. Then tell me yours. It's a nine one. Yeah. For me, it's a nine. Yeah. It's super a, good. World-class. Great beer. Like 
a hundred percent. And this, especially the package size, this beer in a twelve ounce mm. can, fantastic. Yeah, when you pulled out the, the twelve ounce, I thought maybe this was them being stingy, but more often have I said on this show that man, like I would, I love that we're splitting this with somebody. Yeah, and this would have been too much as a sixteen ounce can, or or God forbid, larger. Twelve, 12 ounces is, is you know, we just the same thing with yep. our hands. We just twelve ounce to so the cut off all day, just, you know, all day. Um, I'm crushing yeah. this whole can. Well, yeah. That's, I mean, yeah. I don't know about crushing it. But I'm going to enjoy it casually over an hour. Can we get more of these? I have like five in my fridge. You have right. five of these beers? It was one, it wasn't a member beer. It was one I, it was for sale and I could buy awesome. a, a lot of them. And okay. I bought a couple four packs. If we have a seven year anniversary powwow or, or party or. Oh, these aren't going to be around in seven years. No, dude. It, we are at seven years. This is seven years. Oh. So if we have a celebration to commemorate. Oh, I thought you said in seven years. No, no, no. Okay. No, a seven-year yes. get-together. I'd love to break these out and share it with people um, who we find worthy. Yeah. You know who you are. Mm-hmm. You're in a special group. That's right. Um, That's pretty much all I've got for this beer. I mean, I'm going to enjoy sipping the rest of this, and then that's I've, it's good. I mean. It's fantastic. How much was it? Great? Good? Affordable? Not? For a four-pack, it was steep. Is it? Yeah. But worth it. Yeah. Fair. That's all you need to know. Do yep. you know? Do you know if it's still available? No, you don't know, or it's not available. It is not available. That's a bummer. Yeah, sucks to not have it. Everybody. I, I mean, honestly, like if you're a beer enthusiast and you've got some extra spending money, look into joining Highland Park's beer membership. Nice. This isn't a commercial. They don't pay me. Yeah, uh, but mm. I'm I'm a big proponent of their beer. Yes, uh, they, they're all over the map stylistically, and everything they crank out is super solid. Let me amend that statement. If you are interested in beers, you can. Go look about their thing. We're not telling you to do it. I think that goes against our rules. So just to be very clear for our radio listeners. Oh, yeah. It's an option. Yeah. You can search about it if you want. I'm a member. Sure. For your consideration. Unrelated, you can look also. Exactly. <laughs> um, all right. Let's let's take this home for our radio listeners, man. Once again, you've been listening to Fresh Hop Cinema, possibly on KZFR 90.1 FM. If you have feedback on anything we've discussed today, maybe you think coconut is a much stronger scent than chocolate. Maybe you think people that think that are dumb. These are the questions I need answers <laughs> you can to. call. You can text. Our number is 530-433-0839. Again, just so you can get it down, the number 530 530- Four three three zero eight three nine, or of course, if you're more of the typing type, feel free to send a good old fashioned email to fhccast at gmail.com. As a reminder to our radio listeners, chocolate is a much stronger flavor than coconut. <laughs> also, if you want to hear the rest of today's conversation, which includes the always unpredictable hot and bothered segment, or if you want to go digging through six plus years, nope. Seven. Oh, wow. Plus years. Actually, seven exact years. Seven exact years of back episodes going all the way back to 2016 on this day. Uh, Head over to your favorite podcast app and subscribe to Fresh Hop Cinema. And then just to clarify Johnny's statement, if you're listening on the radio, chocolate may be a stronger scent than coconut. You can do your own research. Johnny thinks it is, and you can come to your own conclusions. We will be back on the radio waves of KZFR next Saturday at 4 o'clock. So until then, folks, consume some films and beers that broaden your horizons, or just even if they don't, make sure you enjoy those things. And uh, you know, if you enjoyed the show, you can leave a tip at kzfr.org. You can also leave us a five-star rating on Apple Podcasts. Please enjoy the rest of your weekend. And to those of you currently heading to the beach, maybe to enjoy some warm weather while it lasts, or cleaning your bathroom and listening to us in podcast form, we'll be right back with Hot and Bothered. Hot and Bothered. Welcome to Hot and Bothered. 
This is the part of the show, and I'm telling any new listeners this. This is where we kind of veer off course. This is not our movie of the week. These are not beers that we've reviewed this week. This is uh, – I actually don't know what you have. My notes aren't in front Two of movies. Me. Two movies. So sometimes it's just stuff that uh, we've watched or drank independently. Sometimes it has nothing to do with the theme of our show. But yeah. this week it will. I'm going to go first because mine's very brief. The Amazon series based on the Robert Jordan books, The Wheel of Time, has dropped its second season. Ooh. Yeah, I think it's pretty new. I just happened to stumble upon it. I wasn't aware of the release date, but I That's watched exciting. the first couple episodes, um, and I'm not even going to bother giving backstory on what the show's about. You, if you uh, care about this sort of thing, if you care about fantasy shows, you probably are aware of it. So it's one of the most popular of and all time. famous yeah. fantasy series of all time. But not everybody knows it was even turned into an Amazon show. True. Um, so I'll say this of season two. It is better than season one. They've clearly gotten more of a budget. There, there's been a couple recasting choices, one in particular that I didn't like at first, and then now I do, because that's how recasting works most of the time. The storyline's gotten more complicated. The effects have gotten better. That goes um, hand in fist with the budget. Yeah. I think it's 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 going well. I've watched probably five episodes Good. over the course of the past few days. And uh, I'm enjoying it. I'm looking forward to seeing where the show goes. So if you're at all curious, or if you were like after season one, I didn't like the way that ended. This was a waste of time. Mm-hmm. Fair enough. But you you might be one back over by season two. So I'd say give it a shot again. That's a, the the Wheel of Time. It's on Amazon Prime, which Word. is very satisfying. I'm going to check that out this Great. weekend. I okay. love that show. What do you got, man? Uh, two things. I'll start with the one that's not the most exciting. Okay. Uh, I watched a movie on Hulu as a brand new horror film called... No one will save you. Oh, it's a horror movie. Uh, yeah, m- very horror in the same way that the Twilight Zone is horror. I find those to be quite horrifying. Yeah, but uh, I see what you're saying. Very alien centric. Um, little bit of a, a mind fuck. Great movie though. Do you have um, some info for me? Yeah, it was released on September nineteenth, twenty twenty three. Brand new. Directed by Brian Duffield. It's distributed by Hulu. Uh, it stars Caitlin Deaver. As the the main character, Bryn, there is really no other characters in this that have large speaking roles. It's a very okay. isolating type film. And for those people that don't know that name, she was in um, Booksmart? Yes. She was a- Opposite yeah. Beanie Feldstein. Correct. Great. Great. Yeah. This is interesting. She's in something like this. Mm-hmm. Cool. Uh, so I won't say that it was fantastic. I think I just said it was a great movie. I spoke out sure, of pocket. Sure. Didn't mean <laughs> to say that. Uh, it had some really big ideas. It was- Definitely a brand new take on like an alien invasion movie. How so? Can you say? Leaning in super hard into the psychological horror of it. Of being invaded by aliens? Yeah. Sure. Of like an alien invasion. Yeah. Like it makes it very personal. There's not like a swath of Is this modern day? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. There's no giant swath of alien army coming. It's, oh, there's one alien at everyone's house and they're like- Checking them oh, out. Oh, they've done like they've done British soldier, uh, whichever amendment that is. Which which one is that? It's the fourth. Oh yeah, no, not no. It's not. I know what you're saying, but it's not what you're thinking. Okay, great. No, I'm it's it's like literally. There's like a scout alien. Okay, that like breaks into her house and is like checking it out, and it's mm-hmm. terrifying. And she's there alone at this yeah. point. She lives alone. Okay, very isolated in a small town that's already isolated. She lives pretty good distance away on a very large property. So the isolation factor is high. Uh, It had big ideas. It took big swings, definitely rooted in some solid foundation of science fiction. Okay. Uh, But it 
it tried very well, I would say, to approach it from some new angles. Okay. In the personal nature, the the super cerebral okay. science fiction horror, very psychological. I loved that aspect of it. Sure. Didn't stick the landing. That sucks. Took a big swing, though. Took a big swing. Yeah, yeah. Um, I think it's definitely worth watching. I think it's a really good kind of segue into spooky season and, and okay. watching some some scary movies. I would 100% watch this again versus the movie we reviewed for the episode. Well, that makes sense. You didn't like that yeah. movie. So, <laughs> But compare it to a sci-fi movie that you would prefer it over. A sci-fi movie that I would prefer. Is, like, is there a sci-fi movie, like you just watched The Edge of Tomorrow for the first time, which yeah. is still wild to me. Which, yeah. which one do you like more? Uh, Edge of Tomorrow. Okay. Sure. A different category. Okay. Um, that was sci-fi. This is sci-fi psychological horror. Um, so How about some other okay. movies that I yeah, could yeah. think of in that category would be, um, Event Horizon. Uh, yeah. Classic. Classic. What about, uh, Life? I think it was called Life. We did it on this show. Uh, Jake Gyllenhaal. Oh. Others. Uh, no. And it had Ryan Reynolds, Ryan Reynolds and all kinds yeah, of people sure. in it. Kind of like, kind of Event Horizon-ish. Yeah. That one was. Yeah. But also kind of trapped on a spaceship with an alien. Remember yes. when it got out? Yeah, that was yeah. the whole movie, I think. It's like once it broke free, you're like, it got out of its mason jar. You you're know, like, oh, I no. liked that movie a lot. I haven't thought about it since we reviewed it. I think until that was episode six, like, dude. Right now. Yeah, yeah. But that was pretty cool, man. I liked that was again, it had some some original takes, but also, yeah. you know, it stood on the shoulders of some Titans. It had big alien vibes. Yeah. Sigourney for, Weaver. For sure. Yeah. It's, it's like when you get a, a cast of people isolated and there's an alien. Yeah. Um, you either name the movie that mm-hmm. or you, you call something else? Yeah. Maybe like Signs. Mel Gibson, I've Joaquin never Phoenix. seen Signs. Very good movie. Yeah, that's what I've heard. Because um, it was, you know, one of Shyamalan's earlier films. Oh, was that him? Yeah. Oh. And it had that element of, of psychological horror kind of just, you know, yeah. messing with your brain a little yeah. bit. Same kind of vibe as that, mixed with uh, a healthy dose of The Twilight Zone. Should I watch it? Yeah, I think okay. you should. Great. Well, did you want to give it a rating out of 10? Seven two. Well, that's a high rating, dude. Yeah, it was pretty solid. That's great. Uh, my real issues were only with you know the ending, and I think they were very specific choices, and they might work for a lot of people. I wasn't the hugest fan, but I think the merit of the movie up until the very end allows it to stand on its own two feet. Okay, it's also worth noting this is his second directorial feature. He did a movie in twenty twenty called Spontaneous, um, but he's written for a bunch of stuff. He wrote for like. He, he wrote part of Cocaine Bear. All right. Wait, I'm sorry. That's not true. Sorry, he was a producer on Cocaine Bear. But he wrote or was a writer on Love and Monsters, which we covered on the show mm-hmm. also, which was like kind of, not aliens, but like monsters. Yeah. Which could be similar, depending Pretty on your tree. view on aliens. Um, a few movies. I think that's the only one we've covered on the show. But Makes you know. sense. Good. I'll check it out. Yeah. yeah. It was pretty good. Uh, and the crowning thing that I did this last week was I went to see Nosferatu at the Pageant Theater. That's here in town. That is our local sort of art house theater. Yep. Great. Went to see that and it was featuring a live score by Mm -hmm. a national touring act called The Invincible Czars. Good name. Man. Good name for band. And they were awesome. They were all Mm multi-instrumentalists. So you had kind of a woodwind guy going from, is bassoon a bass clarinet or is that a different thing? It's not. Yeah, it basically is. Sure. Yes. Okay, it's a re, it's a giant reed instrument. Yeah, that it, to the untrained eye might look like a clarinet. It's not for any bassoon players. We know you're different. It's a double reeded instrument. It's much right. more difficult. Okay, what's the one? It must just be like bass saxophone. That's not a thing. What was it? it metal? Was, was it shiny? No, it was or was huge. It, okay. it looked like a saxophone, shaped like a saxophone. Okay, and it had these really deep drilling. Ooh, did it? Okay, was that it kind shiny of metal or was it like wood? 
It looked like it was almost like flat black. So it was hard to tell. If Let me was... look up a picture of a bassoon. You tell me if this is what you saw. Okay. Also, it was the third amendment that this is getting back to the alien thing. It was the third one. That's the one where we said you can't have, you can't against the homeowner's will, no soldiers shall be in people's homes without their consent. And mm -hmm. during wartime or not during peacetime, don't do that ever. Basically. Mm -hmm. um, that doesn't say bassoon, but it might get us close. This is what a bassoon looks like, Johnny. It's long. It wasn't that. It was not that. Nope. Interesting. Yeah, it was you just. Yeah, some... that could be like a clarinet. Somebody yeah. might think that. So. Yeah. So, anyways, they were they were all multi instrumentalists, and it was a score to the original, you know, nineteen twenty two Nosferatu. Uh, yeah, that uh, sounds let close. Let me double check that. I have it right here. Yeah, nineteen twenty two. Most notably, it's a silent film. Yes. Okay. Um, but they wrote an entire score, so it was all original music. It was cool. their own. Oh, manufacturing. yeah, of course, that makes sense. It was great. So it was a drummer. And it was a guy that did kind of interstitials with some vocals, but not really. It was not a vocal score. At okay. All. Uh, he just had a microphone and said a few things. Was he like speaking along with the film? No. Okay. No, no, no. What kind of thing? Like lyrics or like um, sound effects? Like or a spoken word thing, like twice for maybe a sentence. That so, went along with the movie or like set the stage for something? Both. Cool. Yeah. He wasn't doing like a part of it speaking. Like voiceovering or anything. No. Yeah. 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 Um, and so there was, and then he played bass guitar and electric guitar. Okay. And also, I think he had a synth. Sure. And then there was a piano player that went back and forth from like piano mm -hmm. with some organ stuff mixed in, all kinds of noises. Awesome. And bass guitar. And then there was a violinist who was also playing a synth keyboard mm -hmm. and mm -hmm. a glockenspiel. Awesome. Yeah. And then the woodwind guy had a clarinet, a flute, and this. I was think, it that? Yeah. Was it really? Mm -hmm. It's a Barry sax. Yeah, it's, it's to your credit. Yes. It starts a. It starts with a B, like bass saxophone. Mm -hmm. is. Well, baritone um, and bass are kind of synonymous. Kind of, but kind not. Of. They're different. Yeah, but uh, it's huge. Yeah. So they, I got you. It was massive. Yeah, yeah. It was ginormous. Right. But yeah, he was going back and forth between multiple instruments. Yeah. Oh, and also playing a, a piano, I believe. So cool. just a lot going on, but it was a very immersive experience. Definite big wall of sound. That's awesome. They were hilarious. They, oh, I mean, good. They made it fun and it yeah. was interactive, almost at times, you know, Rocky Horror Picturesque, like mm -hmm. got the whole audience involved. So, That's, were they like on tour for this show? Were they taking the show around independent theaters around yes. the world, country? Yeah. Mm -hmm. Where are they from? Did you uh, say? Texas, I believe. Texas. Yeah. Texas. Mm -hmm. Interesting. And they've been going down to all the art houses. They do Nosferatu and they also wrote a score for uh, Dr. Caligari, which is another yes. silent horror film. Are you saying that right? I have no idea. Sounds wrong to me, but that's I know. What, I think it, that's how he said it. Caligari, interesting. I think yeah. it's, I'm gonna look it up one time because uh, I think it might be different. But I've never seen the movie. Uh, oh boy, well that didn't pull up anything, right? The Cabinet of Doctor Caligari. Yeah, yeah. Okay, you're right. Yep. 1920. Yeah. So it was it was rad and bought tickets with the podcast. Awesome. That was great. That's you a know, great podcast. Some research. Expense. Yeah. Uh, and a part of why I wanted to bring beers tonight was to help us get back on budget because I also bought a poster. Oh, cool. Yeah. Uh, one of their posters? Yeah. The Nosferatu poster for the 100th anniversary of Nosferatu when awesome. they wrote the score. Very cool. It's rad. Yeah. And great. it's shaped like a like a dresser drawer vertically. It's like, what is that? Uh, Probably yeah. like four by 24 or like six, six by 24 inches. What are you doing with your hands? It's, it's, okay. It's this. Right, point. Look behind you. Yeah. Is it like that? Is it like what's on our walls? Skinnier and taller. Okay. Gotcha. Yeah. Gotcha, gotcha. Gotcha. It's fantastic. So cool. I'll bring that. I want to try and get it framed, but I might bring it and bounce some ideas off you. Sure. But yeah. incredible experience. The pageant's fantastic. 
Uh, they were great, funny dudes, very personable. Nice. Uh, I think it's something I'd love to do with you next year. Like, because they, they come do? around once a year. This is oh, really? their second time here. Oh, interesting. Uh, second or third. And I just keep missing it, mm-hmm. but it's it was immediately a, a new fall tradition. They awesome. come right at the beginning of fall every year. That sounds so, great. Podcast field trip next year. Done. Let's yeah. do it. Um, all right. couple of last minutes, um, or rather end of show notes here. If you are in Patreon, you'll be getting these at the bar hang. We got some new stickers for these fall, the fall spooky season. Uh, we also are going to be distributing some new coasters around town. If you see those coasters and you happen to be at a bar and set your drink on it, let us know. We'd love to hear about that sort of thing. Um, if you'd like to get a sticker from us and you're not in Patreon, you can text us, find us on social media, and we will be happy to hook you up with one. They are our, our, our first ever time doing like, you know, seasonally themed stickers. So they'll probably end up on our Instagram. So if you want to see what you're getting into, you can look there. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's pretty much what we got. Happy seven years, dude. Here Happy we are. seven. Chugging along. Um, as usual, the show wouldn't be what it is without the support of Bailey Minardi, without the constant chipper attitude and beer buying skills of Johnny Summers. Uh, of course, we appreciate the handlebar for all the support over the years. And uh, that is pretty much all I got. So my name is Max Minardi. And big shout out to Max for making us sound Hey-o. as good as we do. Heck yeah. He does all the work behind the scenes. Yeah. And he doesn't get enough credit. We should all appreciate him. Consider me appreciated. Good. Yeah. That's Max. I'm Johnny. This has been a great seven years. And uh, cheers to seven more. At least. Make it eight. Sure. Why not? Here, cheers to eight more. <laughs> then we're done. <laughs> I quit. This is Fresh Hop Cinema.